Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. Hey, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a couple of our partners. These are some of the folks that help us keep the podcast going, and they've been nice enough to offer some exclusive discounts for our listeners. Now, if you've watched us on YouTube, you all know how we love to display our kicks when we're not rocking them. Sneaker Throne makes sneaker display cases featuring customizable LED lights, drop side cases to showcase your entire shoe, not just the heel, not just the toe, shoe trees, a number of other sneaker-related accessories. You can save 10% on your Sneaker Throne order by using the code HISTORY. You can find a link to Sneaker Throne in the description, or you can just head to sneakerhistory.com slash sneakerthrone, and it will send you directly to their site. Again, that's 10% off with the code HISTORY. Our friends at Prospect are the premier streetwear brand and sneaker boutique based in sunny San Diego, California. One of my favorite places. Prospect is not your typical hypebeast haven, though. They carry classic footwear from brands like Asics, New Balance, Puma, Saucony, as well as local and globally known streetwear brands like Belief, Illust, Rottweiler, Stussy, and many others. Not to mention their own Prospect label and the iconic Just a Kid from Dago collection. If you're a listener of the podcast, you can save 10% on all of your orders from Prospect through their website with the code HISTORY10. That's promo code HISTORY10 at prspctsd.com. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter or a member of our Discord community, you already know about Kicks with V Hot Sauce and his small batch locally sourced hot sauce. V has been one of the biggest supporters of sneaker history and the podcast since the early days. And his hot sauce has been a huge hit with the community. To celebrate the launch of his new coffee habanero flavor hot sauce and his new habanero honey, my personal favorite, he's given an exclusive discount to our podcast listeners. The first 50 people to use the code SneakerHistory10 will save 10% on their order from KicksWithVHots.com. That's SneakerHistory10 at KicksWithVHots.com. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring the podcast or becoming a partner with our community, get in touch with us. You can reach us by email at podcast at SneakerHistory.com. And we'll get back to you with information about how we can partner. And now for today's episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! LeBron James with no regard for human life. Seconds. Bryant for the win. Iverson against Gill. The crowd on its feet. What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I've got two gentlemen with me to talk some kicks on this episode. A familiar face in Mike Guillory, but a familiar face for those in the Discord in Dalton Miller. What's good, guys? How you guys doing? What's going on, man? Doing all right. Excited to uh, do this for the first time. It seems pretty fun. Man, I'm doing great. I am just happy to be here. Another day recording. It's nice to have Dalton here for the first time. So good to see you, brother. You too, man. We don't get to talk very often, so this is real cool. Yeah, man, it's gonna be fun. I, I've I've been wanting to do. I've been wanting to to you know have some more folks from the Discord community on you know more regularly. I mean, if you're in the Discord, you see everybody every couple of weeks. 
you know, with trivia nights or, you know, just random Zoom calls and stuff like that. But I think it's going to be fun to try to get more more folks on. Uh, Greg, specifically, you know, I've been saying you need to come on for a while. So, um. yeah, I suggested him, but uh, he he and several others suggested me first. So that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> so uh, before we get into this episode, uh, I guess, Mike, I'm going to toss it to you because we do have a new review to read. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Well, let me pull it back up now. Come on, phone. All right. So we have one from Your New Secret. It says, Talking Sneakers for All Sneaker Heads. I'm assuming it kind of uh, the title's long, so it gets cut off. But we got a good old five stars, and it says, Get these four dudes on the mics together, and magic happens. It's a show about sneakers, the industry, and people who care about both. Take the hype and pretense out and leave it at the door. Choose a functional expressions of art, and these gentlemen appreciate all types. But beyond the show lies the gem of the operation, the Sneaker History Discord, uh, an actual community of people that care less about kicks on feet, but people behind them. From food to football kits and Formula One to uh, favorite healthy debate, you name it, and Sneaker History Discord's got it. A golden place uh, that hasn't been ruined by exploding and extravagantly influenced industry that is shoes. Uh, they go on your feet, people. It's not that serious. Ten out of five stars. Frauding starting five candy bars needs to happen, guys. Well, thank you. Appreciate that, your new secret. We'll take that 10 stars and allocate them several places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for the review. Uh, by the way, we opened up the Discord to uh, a small number of people for free. It'll be in the link in the description, the first link in the description for this episode. Um, once those are gone, we're going to kind of slow it down and make sure it doesn't get too crazy in there. But I would just hit that link and join. It's a bunch of a great bunch of people and honestly like my favorite place on the internet. So um it's fantastic people. It definitely is. Get on there. That said, this episode, uh, we're gonna talk about collaborations because on one hand, there's way too many of them, but also can we ever have too many? Can we ever get enough? But before that, we're gonna do a little bit of rocking and copping. So I'm gonna let Dalton start us off since he's the the the, the first timer here. Uh, what are we rocking and copping in this week, gentlemen? Uh, rocking. I've been wearing a lot of Vans lately. Um, it's uh, it's the Liberators Authentics. It's also what I've been copping. It's kind of the only new shoe I bought lately. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, that thing's real sweet. It was an Asian only release. Um, they're awesome. So that's about it. As far as upcoming releases, I have no idea what's even coming out. How about you, Mike? Oh man, so I've been rocking these Barcelona Dunks for a while now, since I got them for, I guess, about a, two weeks now. Uh, super clean, super underrated, because I guess they never released here, but I got them super cheap, so I really like them. And um, Coppin, I got a pair of the undefeated five on it Dunks on the way. I got them, again, super cheap. So uh, yeah, that's what I got right now. Which which color? That's the, the purple and blue ones. Blue and purple. Yeah, right? yeah. I feel like those were. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I love those things. Oh yeah. Nice. What you rocking, Nick? Uh, so I I I've, I've been rocking this uh, same shoe that I posted or showed on the last episode, but the Puma R six nine eight is like an all three M version. I just posted it on my Instagram stories, so depending on when you take this in, you might be able to see it up there. But I just like think that 3m is like the most 3m is like the the burrito equivalent to me right like <laughs> just put 
3M <laughs> on anything and like it instantly becomes cool. I have no self-control. I just think it's like the coolest thing ever. And and even yeah, better is if it's black 3M. But all right, given that, what did you think of the Five Lab 3s? So <laughs> I think that the quality on those was totally hot hot garbage. But I thought the concept of all of those lab shoes was really great. Like yeah. execution mm-hmm. and I think like the quality. I think honestly like I think the quality it's hard with 3M because they're they're going to crease so bad, right? Yeah. The 3s specifically are just going to look terrible. Even even this shoe is is a little rough, you know, if you looked real close at it, right? But I think that if it's done right, you could you could have the five lab threes could have been like full on, you know, like you could have just addressed the toe box somehow and it could have been an incredible shoe. Um, but I think the good thing that came from the five lab threes or all the lab shoes is that like basically after that, Nike tried to revamp all the Jordan retros, right? Because those were so, these were so bad. Let's fix everything. But, yeah. But the shapes were just way <laughs> off. I do remember the three lab fives being really good quality. They had a really nice leather liner. The shape was really weird, mm-hmm. but yeah. the actual material quality I thought was good. Yeah, I yeah. remember those. What, did, what, what was your favorite lab shoe? So they did the three lab five, five, three. They did the all patent fours too. Four. I don't know if they did any others. I think that was it. Cause I think they were at that point. They're like, we can't sell it's these. Probably <laughs> that it's, yeah. yeah, they did two of the fours. They did an all red four and an all black patent four. I think my favorite overall was that initial five, the with the white elephant print and the teal accents on it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I, see, I I think that's probably the best execution. But the shape of that shoe was really bizarre to me. Like there was like mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, but I remember looking at it thinking like the tongue is not sitting in the right position and the ankle <laughs> collar is not in the right position. Which basically is like that's the Jordan Five is defined by that, right? Mm-hmm. Like the rest of his like it's a cool shoe. Don't get me wrong. Robbie's like listening to this rolling in his great, well, <laughs> great, but rolling in his beachy Hawaiian <laughs> towel. What did you do to Robbie? <laughs> he spilled his drink. He's ah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that's what I rocks. As far as copping, uh, I actually have been trying to find some of the orange. Total Orange Air Max 90s uh, oh. that came out a few months back, a year back, or whatever. I just yeah. slept on them, so that's kind of been the, the the thing that I've been digging for. And um, I haven't really looked at like upcoming releases. I mean, those orange, I think they're Los Angeles themed Air Max BWs. BWs. Yep, obviously like a perfect shoe for me. So uh, <laughs> if I can get those or the or the you know the Persian Violet BWs, I'd be super stoked. But as uh, I kind of do want kind of do with the Persian violets. I've never had BWs before. So. Yeah, it's, it's a great shoe. Um you know, as I as I posted in the Discord today, I just I just don't think I'm getting anything off of the sneakers app, so we'll see. Me either, man. I know the I know the struggle. I'll, I'll, how did I completely forget that? I hit on the off-white dunks today. Oh yeah. Wait, there's more of them? Yeah, on uh I got exclusive access and I hit on those today. So that's really cool. Hey, nice. Yeah, they did uh today and they're doing more early access tomorrow. So yeah. that would be uh September eighth, the day we're recording, and September 9th uh tomorrow. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. So that's that, that's pretty cool. I've 
never bought an off-white shoe before. First yeah, Mike, Mike, are you still are you still uh, anti sneakers app? Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, for the sake of like the podcast, so I know what the heck's going on. I've downloaded the sneakers app again, so I can kind of see what's going. You know what's what's happening to these little <laughs> stories and crap. But I mean, it's just honestly, there's not been anything there that has really piqued my interest. Uh, the last thing I tried to get was that Alele May 14, which I really liked. I mean, I knew to. We knew what was going to happen, but I tried anyway, and uh, guess about it. <laughs> yeah, we. Oh, I feel like 14s, you might have a better chance on other things then. Ah, man, we'll see. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's so hard to know, man. It's it's just like, it's just, just frustrating because it's so hard to, to know, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I would think that I've bought enough Air Maxes or like Jordan threes on my account throughout the years but then when i look back and see the stuff that i've actually gotten off the sneakers app you know i've had my sneakers or my nike account for i don't even know how long but yeah all right anyway let's get into this conversation about collaborations because i know uh i know dalton's got some interesting takes because he's he's got an eclectic uh appreciation for for sneakers i would say not that's one way to put it not not the normal (laughs) i mean it's it's tough because there's i think there's you could say that collaborations are you know there's too many collaborations but at the same time there definitely are but that's that's how we get to a liberators bands right like you know these new upcoming streetwear brands or or you know not even streetwear at this point. There's so many like little nuanced, cool people doing cool things that get a collaboration with a footwear brand. And that to me is it's how some of those people become successful enough to stick around. You know, yep. there's so many brands that just disappear because they never get that collaboration. They never get that stamp of approval from a big brand. So what do you think is like the, you know, the basis for a, for a good collaboration? Uh, I think storytelling has to be in there in in some capacity. Yeah. So, like some some things that are sticking out in my mind of like what a really, really fantastic collab is, is the uh, premier Life on Mars Sauconies. Mm-hmm. I thought those yeah. were executed fantastically up to down, like packaging, little extras. They had like a little Mars passport. The colorways were also fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Colorway is definitely a big part of it, too. Like, the shoe still has to look good. But it's what you're doing with storytelling, with the materials, with the color blocking, with the marketing. All of that definitely goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Mike? I, I agree with Dalton. I I love the storytelling aspect. But I have to sometimes have to take a step back because sometimes maybe just a nice color that we don't typically see. If it's something I can't go out and it's replicated in a takedown model later or just a different shoe later, I'm about that. Give me the kind of that one-off, but give me good materials. That is something that I'm really big on collaborations. If you're going to give me this premium charge, you're making less of them, charging me more. I, I want it to be good materials. And my best example of that is the uh, the Burn Rubber New Balance. Is it the – what is it? I'm looking at it right now. The uh, MT580 Blue Collar. 
and white there's the blue color and white color pack those were yes. fantastic oh yeah i love that shoe i got it in 2011 from nice kicks just sitting around and that is that's kind of one of those like the pinnacle of collaborations the bar is set there for me because it's a shoe you don't really see often. You don't see the MT, you know, 580 that often. And then there's the suede, the materials, the extra laces, the dust bag, everything together makes it what it is as opposed to just, oh, here, we put someone's name on it. Here's, here it is. Blah. You know? I agree, though. MT 580s are dope. I, yeah, I think the, the, the MT 580, that, that colorway was great. The story was great. I think for me, it has to be, it has to be, relevant to to the collaborator right like it has to be the smaller side of the collaboration whatever that is right has to be relevant to their background their storyline you know and when you get into these these stories where you have multiple brands coming together you still have to have something that that represents you know the smaller brands right like i would use like the uh adidas zx 8000s as an example and say like neighborhood and undefeated like they're they're known for having kind of this like heavily branded uh black or white very tonal and to 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 have those brands come together on adidas shoe as much as it might be cool for me as like an eqt fan to see them do some spin on the eqt it's totally off brand for them so they did to have a black shoe or all white shoe or whatever that is you know, that that aligns with both those brands. You're going to get the heavy branding from Neighborhood, the heavy branding from Undefeated. And like, you know, Adidas is kind of the benefactor of those two brands collaborating. Right. And it's like they just provide the platform and the, and the reach to, to make the product. And I think that's the the when I think of like successful collaborations, that's what I always look for. And I think that. A lot of a lot of the smaller boutiques get opportunities to do things and then they try to do something that they have had a story for for a long time but they but it might not be relevant to the brand of the boutique where it might be relevant to you know the individual behind the brand or or the owner of the store or something or it might be a great idea right but like you know it doesn't make sense for uh you know if i think of like the extra butter uh you know reebok ventilators that i posted um that I showed in the last episode, you know, based on the halal guys, food carts. Now, no other brand could really get away with that. Right. Because you can't do that as an undefeated collab. Like if somebody works at undefeated or union or someplace that's not in New York, at least at that time, halal guys hasn't expanded. You know, there's still just a, a, you know, a handful of spots in New York that you, you can get it. And I think that was like a home run where, that's also to to the flips to, you know on the flip side of that that's where a lot of these a lot of these collaborations you know kind of fall short for me as you see how forced it is where it's like okay if you're not you know if you're not a self-aware as a as a boutique then you're not helping yourself or the footwear brand by collaborating yeah. right and that's a tough conversation to have with people and i'm sure that people see a lot of uh you know, if you're working at a brand on collaborations, you probably see all sorts of people's ideas and hear about all sorts of people's ideas mm-hmm. that ultimately don't actually ever hit the market. Um, but I do think that as much as like collaborations are everywhere and everybody's doing it. And yes, there are some that are just like stupidly forced and over the top dumb. And, 
you know, <coughs> Sakai <laughs> fragment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think that like the, the idea of a collaboration will never be a bad thing. Yeah. I know that's probably a hot take for the sneaker world because, you know, we see thousands of them a year, but to, to, to look at it from like somebody who's worked in a, you know, in a big corporation, I know how hard it is for, for actual ideas to, to be surfaced to the top. And unfortunately in a lot of big businesses and the footwear world is no different. You could have a hundred people screaming, you know, up the ranks to say, this is going to be the coolest thing we've ever done as a company. But all it takes is one person from a, a boutique that has some high energy or, you know, a brand that has some, some good buzz for an executive or someone in the higher up ranks of a, of a big business to say, Oh, these are the cool people we want to work with. And unfortunately like that always ends up, you know, being a tough situation to navigate on probably on both sides because you, you get to work with somebody maybe that you admire or appreciate, and then you're doing something, you know, for work. So, um, but I do think that there'll always be room for it. And, you know, my, I guess like I would, I would point to like somebody like Ronnie Feig or undefeated um, Bodega's done really well, you know, kind of carving out their lanes in terms of like who they're able to collaborate with that makes sense and what they're able to do. Cause some brands, you know, you can push it a little bit further, you know, others, you know, you can't right? like the, the Kith uh, Wilson stuff for the tennis that just came out. Like it was super safe, you know, it was not pushing the envelope in any way whatsoever, but also it's tennis. That's what most tennis fans are going to want. That's what most Wilson brand fans are going to want. Tennis players probably don't have too many crazy things. If you know, you've got to play in a very confined you know, set of rules and regulations for that whole sport. So. I wish they would stop that, by the way, because being a tennis player and just having to stick with that same crap, they need to take more chances because the biggest thing that ever happened was was Fed uh, playing in the Jordan 3 uh, Vapors, which they need to have more things like that. I mean, you had Nick Kyrgios. God, so cool. I want that shoe still so bad. Um, but you had Nick Kyrgios in the Kyrie collaboration, but – he wasn't a big enough player to really influence a bigger change. So yes, Serena and the Jordan one type shoe, but again, it, they, and no, I don't want to get side tangent, but they, if they really kept going with things like that, I think you can see more of that market because there's so many things now, like Nike SB does a lot of collaborations with Nike tennis or Nike court. And people don't realize that there's a lot of things that intermingle in those two groups and have really dope clothing. But because of the uppityness of tennis, you don't get to see all those things. So that's why they try to transition to skateboarding sometimes. Yeah, I think with what uh, Nick was saying with uh, the the collaborator, to go back on that, uh, the collaborator putting their own identity on it. I think one of the best examples of that is something I've got right here, which is the, uh, the blends van skate high, nice. which it's such a simple thing, but it is so very blends because their motif is a lot of black, a lot of monotone. And since they're edgy, they just put a bone in place of the jazz stripe and called it a day. And uh, this is just a fantastic collab because it really does, it it really highlights what Blends does best. Yep. And uh, they've had a long, uh, Vans and Blends have had a long history. They usually do one to two collabs a year. And 
they're usually all fantastic and they usually sell out very quickly because uh, Vans fans are diehard about the blend stuff and they don't make many of them either, of course. Well, and I, th- I think that's like a great example, too, because it's nothing too crazy and it's a lane where like nobody else is really at. Right. I mean, there's other brands that do collabs with Vans that are, you know, maybe on the monotone side or maybe on a, on a, you know, a simple approach. But I also think that's even more successful because blends doesn't do a ton of stuff with other brands, right? Like a blends air max one would be totally weird. And I would just be like, that doesn't make sense. They don't even have a Nike contract. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did for a while, but yeah, a few years back they lost it. Yeah. Yeah, but any of the brands that they would carry, it just wouldn't make sense for them to collaborate with to that extent. Right. You know, no, you know, it's like the perfect, you know, hey, we found our lane. Let's not step out of it and, you know, mess things up kind of. Um, They they could do like Doc Bartons. Yeah, that's that's the another brand I could see them definitely working with. But like a blends New Balance, like that, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things I was thinking about as, as we, you know, we kind of talked about this topic. Do you think that, like, kind of going away from the collaborator conversation, but we'll probably come back to that. But do you think that the packaging has to be changed for collaborations? Or, like, maybe the, the extra stuff, the accoutrements, if you will. <sighs> like, do do you have to have all that stuff for a collaboration? I'd like it yeah. to, but it doesn't need it. Yeah. Um, I know concepts, they always go really hard with the special boxes and speckle, special packaging. And it's really fantastic to see, but I don't think it's completely necessary. Uh, especially because a lot of the times they just limit that stuff to really small in-store only releases, which I think is really cool because it makes the people that were there in person even more special to get, like they get the special box. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Mike? No, I, it, I guess it's just – I'm in the same boat as you, Dalton. I either – it's cool if I get it. If not, it's all right as well. But I do like the little extras. Uh, maybe not the boxes so much, but I like the little – maybe extra little lace jubre or, like I say, dust bag or laces, whatever it may be, just to give it that – that feel oh, okay. This was something special. This is something different. It's not just an inline release, or it's not something that's going to come out again, you know, next year. So the little extras just give it like a, a little bit more of a, I don't know, a better feel to it. Sometimes I'm a sucker for a good dust bag. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say the same can, thing. That can that can be a game changer. Did you guys know that? I think until Nick, you might know better than I. Uh, until 2007 or eight, New Balance didn't allow co-branding on their shoes. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, if you were collaborating with New Balance, um, if you wanted co-branding, you'd have to have it on a removable part of the shoe, so either the laces or the insole. So whenever Soulbox was doing their collaborations with New Balance in 2006-7, they had to unlace all of the manufactured shoes and relace them with their own branded laces. Yeah, that's how a lot of the early collaborations worked, unfortunately, or fortunately, right? Like, you know, it was really like a stepping stone of getting the brands to be comfortable with collaborations at that point too. I have mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't know what the very first new balance collaboration was, 
but I have the first concepts New Balance collaboration from 2007, I think. Okay. Uh, it's a 576. It's like a white uh, with yellow and baby blue and like lime green accents. And that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it's just a completely weird shoe. And if you if you know back then, New Balance would never do crazy colors like that. Never at all. Um, I don't. I'll I'll grab grab those um, and take a look. But I don't know if they actually have concepts branding on them. There's for sure interesting like branding on it, like the made in the USA is like scripted um, mm-hmm. type of stuff. But it's funny to think about that, too, because, you know, now, 15 years later, you know, every brand is like, just throw Kith next to it. It's like Pizza Hut and Kith or, you know, Pizza Hut and Undefeated. And it's like, hey, if 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 it gets kids back into the reading club, you know, the book club, the Pizza Hut book club or whatever, whatever that was, then I'm all for it. But I feel like I feel like that's like the problem, in my opinion, at least is not that we have too many collaborations, but we allow too many forced collaborations to happen, you know, because even if it's, even if it's a big brand, right. You know, and I I would take like Vans off the table, right. Vans is one of those companies that they're so about the artists that they've, they've had, you know, hundreds of people that would never have gotten the opportunity to create anything with a major footwear brand just because they care about, art and music and hmm. you know that kind of culture that exists yeah, they around it given iron maiden their own colorways in the 1990s right exactly and like that's huge right on the other side of you know the the playing field when it comes to sneakers a brand like nike is you know you know not to pick on them but they're out here like you know suing people that they should have collaborated with yeah. in a lot of ways right or artists that will eventually be people they work with, you know, like that's how, that's how it works. Unfortunately is like, they have to like, people have to fight to get to that level. And at some, at some point along the way, a lot of those people that are, you know, can't really break it down to followers, but if you could, it's like, Oh, the person that has 50 or a hundred thousand followers right now might get a little bit of attention from Nike, but if they're selling a, you know, a remade or a a knockoff Nike product, then Nike's going to try to sue them. Yep if they do it in a cool enough way and they hit 500,000 followers or a million followers, they might just get a Nike contract and there's, you know, they'll just throw out the lawsuit three years later. Like that totally, I mean, I don't have any proof of that happening, happening, (laughs) but I would bet that that happened at some point along the way. Probably. Most likely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think as far as like forced, or bad collabs. I, I kind of made fun of it before, but like, wh- what do you guys think of this new round of the Sakai waffles? Cause they have some with fragment. They have some with, uh, clot, um, and someone else, but it's the five new yeah, undercover. Sakai waffles undercover, yeah. and undercover. Yes. Thank you. Uh, do you guys, what do you guys think of those? Do you think that's an example of a really forced collab or do you think they actually care? I think it's forced. I think with the, I feel like it always starts with the whole Travis Scott thing. Uh, they did a triple collaboration with Travis Scott. So I think they're going to just run that sucker dry until people don't want to do it anymore. So first it was the, of course the ones. Now we got 
the Sakai times, under, or times undercover times Nike. So they're going to keep doing it until no one wants it anymore. So that's, that's going to be a cash cow because, hey, no one else is doing triple collaborations, which Adidas actually did with Nick mentioned this earlier, the ZX8000 with Undefeated and um, oh my god, I lost my train of thought. But they did mul- they did multiple uh, people on one shoe. Adidas and um, Adidas and Undefeated have a really good history. I think most of their uh, history, I think, is really really strong. I think kind of the peak of that was in 2013 with the uh, Babe ZX5000 that they did with Undefeated, and those are just incredible. Uh, that shoe's just a home run. Yeah. So that, that that's the type of stuff where a triple collab really, really works. And you can see all three parties represent it really highly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're all shooting for again. But uh, maybe they just ran out of ideas. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I think that there's there's always going to be some sense of laziness with a lot of that stuff. At least from a consumer side, we we see it as lazy. But for a lot of brands, the colors might be very much their brand, right? You know, maybe not maybe not with all those Sakai's, but you know, I can kind of see how you could potentially take a Travis Scott Jordan One or Air Max One or whatever, and then say, "Here's a fragment colorway. Here's yeah. a you know undefeated colorway. Here's a X Y Z colorway," because you know, like Soulfly Jordan 1s, right? There's not enough of those shoes to go around, but you could get a lot of buzz by just applying that same color to a Travis Scott version. Yeah, And I think that's the difference between, you know, Nike collaborations and other brands that are out there collaborating because it's more transactional on the Nike side. It's not, let's, you know, and sometimes it is, don't get me wrong. You know, for, for the first you know, round of off-white, the 10, right? Virgil Abloh being able to cut up shoes to the extent that he did absolutely changed the game. We wouldn't have had Union Jordan 1s if Virgil didn't do the 10 first. We wouldn't have had any of the Sakai stuff if Virgil didn't do that stuff first. And sometimes it just takes the right person having the, the, you know, either the balls to stand in there and say, I'm not doing this unless I get to do it my way, which, you know, if you've looked at any of the stuff with like fear of God and Jerry Lorenzo, you know, he was the, he was the only person to get his own silhouette, you know, other than Kanye, right? Like no, nobody gets their own silhouette at Nike, but he was like, I'm not going to be a partner if I'm not gonna. And then he's still got to reel it back in and do, you know, air raid inspired colorways, you know, like they, they play the game, right? It's a give and take. But I think the interesting part about that is we don't see enough of the 10, you know, like I'm not a fan of many of those shoes. I would love to have the 97s and maybe the Prestos, but generally like it's not my style. I, I don't need any of the off-white stuff, but for That's what correct, if you can buy his off of him, <laughs> yeah, for what he has done for sneakers and changed the way that, that, you know, Nike works with partners and for just like all the crazy stuff he's been able to do. I still think it's badass that he's been able to do all this stuff with a brand like Nike, you know, and I, I, I was thinking about like, when you start thinking about the like three, four, you know, the, the triple collabs or whatever, Adidas has done a really good job with, you know, bringing multiple brands together throughout the years, you know, like consortium has yeah. done various projects where it's like, Hey, these, these are two shops that are going to work together on a particular silhouette. 
But I actually think that the first the first stuff that I can think of was the New Balance. Mike, you brought up the 580, mm-hmm. the, the Mita, uh, Stussy, Mad Hectic, uh, Undefeated stuff. The bright ass colors on all those 580s in like 2007 or 2008. It was insane. Ever do. Never. And not even taking taking into account that like those were mostly sold in Japan and barely made it out of Japan (laughs) back then. You still wouldn't see New Balance making those crazy colors, which is that to me, that's like the huge win. I don't think that everybody should make crazy colors of everything. I mean, I think every person should own a few crazy colors of shoes. But like, I don't think every brand should be crazy. colors. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's really interesting because now we're at this point where we're, we're back like to, to having too many people's playing in the sandbox. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not really that there's too many people in the sandbox. It's just that the people in the sandbox are still working on the same castle. Like yeah. we already seen that castle, man, blow that thing away, put some new water in and make your own castle. <laughs> That's what I want to see from collaborations. Yeah. I, I think Nike, it does a really good. It's interesting because Nike goes from collaborator to collaborator and they work with them for a couple years and then they find a new one and you can see it like they they were working with um hood by air for a little bit then psny then acronym then uh they had apc for a bit and it's just all these guys and after they were done they were done and now they're on to off-white and fractal Fragment's always been there. Yeah. Fragment's always going to be there. Uh, well, I guess Sakai is one of the new ones that yeah. they're uh, working with. Travis Scott. And I think that's a really good thing because they have given a lot of people a lot of opportunities to make a lot of really interesting stuff over the years. Yeah. And it's it's nice to know that if they keep this up, they'll be the first to bring out the next new guy who will eventually go to work with Adidas after them. Yeah. Because it kind of sucks when you look at that, uh, just kind of the history, like Virgil excluded, is that they Nike will get the new person, use them, and then once they figure out, oh, this is what this person's taste is, this is what's selling, they take that idea and then generalize it and then let that person go. Because how many things have we seen have that kind of that fear of God touch now, but now Jerry's gone? Or I think the biggest thing is I don't, no, like with acronym and Errolson, I cannot remember his last name, but he did a lot of ACG work. They kind of just drained him dry. Of, Hugh. Thank you. They, they drained him dry of his, uh, his idea, got ACG back into the, the limelight. And I feel like now you don't really see that many acronym um, collaborations anymore. So unless you're Virgil or Travis, I feel like you got to. I would you, love to see another round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just tough out there, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, it's it's a lot of Virgil and Travis right now. I think the thing with with someone like Errolson from Acronym or anybody that's that's you know found success outside of these collaborations, it's tough to want to build a long term relationship with a brand that you know is gonna, you know sounds bad but like throw you out for the for the new hot thing right yeah. because you know it's coming yeah. it's it's never going to be a long-term partnership you know like mm-hmm. unfortunately or fortunately nike set the precedent with with kanye to yeah. be like hey this guy's you know doing great for you know two years three years whatever it was and now he's gone 
And, you know, Nike doesn't need collaborators by any means. But if they don't have all these collaborations and these partners and these, you know, endorsees, eventually they do they do fall off, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, you know, I think that there's a lot of good stuff coming. I think that there's, there's you know, uh, I guess, like, there's a loosening of the reins, in a sense, at Nike, where you're seeing the backwards swoosh and, you know, the added things and, you know, the distress this and the extended yeah. soles and the double swooshes and all the crazy stuff that we see on collabs now, you know, I mean, just think like, I would imagine when, when Dave Ortiz got to do the, the, the bacons, you know, 12 years ago or 14 years ago, whatever it was, the, none of that stuff was an opportunity. It was like, here are the colors <laughs> that you can use or, don't change anything but the colors on this shoe. And that was a collaboration, which is not really a collaboration, but like, thankfully we got past all that stuff and we're getting to a point where people are getting to do some crazy stuff. I think too, like the other, there's a couple other things that I want to talk about in regards to collabs. I think people that are just, I say this in a loving way, weird. They are the best people to collaborate. Mm -hmm. The best thing to happen to sneakers is not necessarily Virgil. It's Jeremy Scott because Jeremy Scott absolutely threw everything we were supposed to think about sneakers (laughs) out the window and said, let's just fuck all this shit up and see what happens. And some of it turned out cool. Some of it's ridiculous, of course, but like until somebody goes in there, that's it's, it's almost like chaotic. You don't get the freedoms for the other people that are, you know, the seven and eights on a scale of one to 10 in chaos and craziness. Right. And we don't necessarily all love the, the, the super 10 plus crazy people, but like occasionally they hit home runs. So if you don't have those people shaking things up throughout the years and just completely like annihilating our status quos within these big footwear brands, then you don't get the, you know, as uh, reluctant as I am, like Kanye is that as well. Right. Like Kanye you know, forcing his hand in so many ways, love him or hate him. He's pushing the envelope for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. But I say that to kind of set up the next part of the, what I wanted to talk about is how all of these collaborations happen through connections and the same, you know, it seems like the same groups of people, right? Uh, you know, you could look at uh, on the Adidas side, Pharrell and Nigo and, you know, that relationship like Nigo got into this stuff because of Hiroshi Fujiwara, a fragment and like, you know, all the brands that kind of, uh, you know, street thing and all the other Japanese brands that have come up, uh, you know, human made and undercover. Like a lot of these people are like cre- connected in this like creative underworld of corp- corporate going to say corporate America, but like corporate society, I guess the corporate world, the same way that, you know, Kanye kind of broke through the, the doors. And now you have Don C and Virgil and, you know, uh, Aaron Preston, yeah. uh, you know, like there's just like countless people that, that kind of, yeah, Jerry Lorenzo, like that just like follow once the door gets cracked open. If, if you were a friend of Kanye, you are successful now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 
it seems that way, right? Yeah, there's kind of a similar thing with some of the brands that started out of like uh, Supreme. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the early guys there started fucking awesome, and they're huge now. Yeah, Union. So yeah. fucked fucking great. awesome. Yeah, Union. There's all all, all of these people yeah. are, are very well connected because I think I think to some extent they're like the hands on in the cool shit that's happening, right? Like brand, yeah. brands can't ever be involved on like a just neighborhood level of this is where the cool shit happens. And you can make cool shit happen in any neighborhood. But like, if you can get a handful of people to make cool shit happen in a neighborhood, that's when the brands are like, Oh shit, we got to pay attention. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. like Nike trying to, to move into New York and, and do all that stuff in the early days to get basketball, to make basketball a thing, street ball, a thing for Nike shoes. Right. They just knew that it was cool shit happening. They didn't know that they needed to actually make shoes for street ball. I was going to ask. So what do you guys think? <laughs> so what do you guys think? Speaking of triple collaborations and just kind of just, hey, this is, is this out of touch or is this something people want? But it goes back to Nike, uh, Virgil's Off-White, but also Louis Vuitton. With that whole collaboration and setup coming down the road, Again, we're seeing that triple collaboration, but is it something that's even – does it make sense? Like I feel like some things just don't make sense, and I feel like that's one of them. But I don't I want to see you guys' thoughts on that. I forgot that the Louis Vuitton Air Force Ones are happening. <laughs> I, I completely forgot. <laughs> um, I, Louis Vuitton is such a special case because Louis Vuitton doesn't make things – for a specific demographic, they make things and people that like Louis Vuitton will just buy them no matter what. Yeah. It's because they just love Louis Vuitton and they like supporting them. They want to be invited to those super low-key events that they hold or those Chase Black Card events that they give away special things at for rich people. Uh, so I think that's kind of where that Louis Vuitton Nike stuff is. It, it's it's not for the brand. It's not for anyone other than Louis Vuitton fans. So, so I would take that a, a, in a different direction then. Cause I, I agree with Dalton. I think that, I think that the Louis Vuitton fan is going to buy the Louis Vuitton stuff, no matter what. Right. Yeah. That's why the Supreme stuff worked. Like the, the people that are buying that. Yeah. It might be aspirational for kids lined up at Supreme, but like what kid lined up for Supreme has 10 grand in his pocket, you know, like not very many of them. And it's it's rare that people outside of the Louis Vuitton circle, right? Like if you're buying Louis Vuitton on a regular basis, you don't wait in line. You just tell your person that you want the stuff and you get the stuff. Like that's how like high end luxury works. But I do think that it's interesting to see, you know, Louis Vuitton just bought out, you know, basically everything about off white with the exception of Virgil Abloh, right? <laughs> so, like, they own a huge percentage of Off-White now. So, you know, mm-hmm. the interesting thing about those those relationships is that when they spin out of that situation, right? Like, Kim Jones, you know, moving from, right, Louis Vuitton to yeah. Dior, then doing a Dior Jordan 1, but then also doing a Kim Jones Air Max 95 yeah. is... Is a now that to me is a really like odd thing, right? Only because I never really think of him as doing his own things. I think of him as a brand person. Yeah. And then he does his own collaborations. Where like Virgil, he's so much like, you know, 
equal with the brand Off-White, right? Yeah, we know it's an Off-White Jordan 1, but we know that it's a Virgil Abloh Off-White Jordan 1. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting way to kind of position. And I think, you know, Virgil and, and maybe even Kanye have been really successful at positioning that themselves and their brands as equals as opposed to, you know, someone who's just a name and, and, you know, like that whole camp has really done well with it. Right. Yeah. Fear of God and Jerry Lorenzo's up there too. Um, but I think that it's, you know, I think that it's something that everyone would do, right? Yeah. Like I, before we started recording and I'll just toss it to you guys to, to kind of share, but like, you know, the thing about collaborations is how do you possibly say no? As a fan of sneakers, as a fan of streetwear, as a fan of all these things, skate, basketball, baseball, cars, like if someone or a, some person or some brand that I admire or appreciate or respect says, hey, do you want to do something, some cool shit together? I say yes. And if you're in a position that your cool friends or your friend that's saying do cool shit, let's do some cool shit together is Louis Vuitton fuck yeah, you're going to do a collaboration, right? Like Virgil's not going to say no, you know, like it, it just doesn't make any sense. But like, you know, could you guys ever say no to a collaboration if you had the opportunity? I mean, I think you have to get to a certain point of like failing at collaborations or, or just failing at working with a brand, you know, to, to Dalton's point about, you know, people leaving Nike to go to Adidas, right? Yeah. Once you've hit the ceiling of of your creative freedom at a brand, that's when you say no. But until somebody says no to you about something that you have always thought about doing or wanted to do, you're going to say yes. I think 90% of people are going to say yes to collaborations. At least I would. Totally. Yeah, totally. You have to. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> Just any of them, like Pony. Um, I I can't even remember like smaller brands, but. Yeah, totally. I think at this point in time, like where, like where I am, where I like in my quote unquote career, no, I couldn't turn it down. I think as I got further along and made more successful, when I had the ability to say yes and no to things because I have laid the groundwork and like made a name for myself, then yes. So kind of double edged sword. But in the beginning, like right now, no, I don't, I don't see why I would turn down a collaboration. Yeah, I hundred I hundred percent agree. I just think it. It'd be impossible. And, you know, when when you're like not at the top, maybe it's you're always hungrier. Right. You know, looking up mm -hmm. to uh, the other people that have gotten to do these things and saying, how could I I do my my spin of that? Um, you know, I think that's what kind of keeps keeps people motivated, too. Right. You know, I, I think that's the uh, I wanted to circle back to just say, like, the beauty of like the the collaborations that we're seeing right now. Yeah, it's a small group of people getting a lot of opportunities. But those those people are really pushing each other. And, and we're seeing a lot of people get other opportunities outside of it. And we're seeing people try new things. So all in all, like as much as like I'm tired of seeing the this X that on every blog post on the on the sneaker blogs, it's still <laughs> to me a good thing that we're, we're seeing all these collaborations, you know. But definitely um, always, always good to see new new just new stuff yep. more new is better agreed even if it's agreed. on the same models we've seen three dozen <laughs> times it's it's something new yeah yep yep all right well that pretty much wraps up for this episode i guess guys let them know how they can find you 
Uh, good, Mike. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. You can find me here on Sneaker History, of course, and on YouTube at Mike Guillory. But Dalton, where can they find you, buddy? Uh, my Instagram is uh, sneaker underscore Saiyan, uh, just like it is for Dragon Ball. Um, that's about all. I'm not giving out my Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find us all in the Sneaker History Discord. You can find me at Nick Engvall on all the platforms. But most importantly, follow at Sneaker History on all the platforms. And uh, thanks for tuning in and supporting us, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. See you. Hey, everyone. This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. We just launched our new merch, including tees, stickers, keychains, and a bunch of other pieces you can grab to show your support for the podcast. You can purchase it now through our companion site, sittingtreasure.com. You can also get access to more episodes of the podcast by joining our Discord community at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Plus, we've got a bunch of other fun things going on in the community, including trivia nights, giveaways, access to sneaker raffles from around the world, release announcements, and my favorite, just good people helping good people get the sneakers they want. Plus, we're not bought by advertisers, investors, or other big money. I'm confident in saying this is the best sneaker community I've ever been a part of. We've also teamed up with a few partners to offer our supporters discounts. You can find some in the links for this episode and even more in our Discord. Give us a try, and if you don't enjoy it, you can always cancel the membership at any time. Last but not least, tell somebody you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of someone showing appreciation. Thank you all for the support, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.